Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Florida State sports fans? Kurt Weiler here with Carter Carls for another episode of Little Sports Podcast. And Florida State has a baseball coach after a, a two-week search that uh, that may have been prolonged by some stuff that was kind of out of Florida State's control with Notre Dame pretty making a pretty remarkable run through the postseason. Uh, Link Jarrett, Florida State alum, Tallahassee native, was named the coach today on, on Friday. And uh, it, it's hard to call this one anything but a home run, not to be cliche, Carter. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's um, – I feel like – Florida State fans, I've never seen them this happy on Twitter before. Uh, it's just a, a great time to be a Florida State baseball fan. They they got their guy, and uh, you know we we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago just you know to move on from Mike Martin Jr. a year early uh, before his contract ended. You only make that move if you feel like you can get someone who you really want and clearly they really wanted link clearly link really wanted florida state and uh yeah it's a uh i'll, I'll use another cliche it's a i think it's a match made in heaven so um but I, I think that's the only cliche i'll use uh on this podcast yeah i mean i think there were uh, a, a lot of people i mean uh, michael alford talking to the board of trustees earlier this week i mean was talking about the there were a lot of people who who reached out about this job. I think some even kind of started reaching out before Mike Martin was fired. Of just to say, I mean, that that there was a lot of interest. But yeah, there was a it was a clear number one candidate all the way. And uh, like I said, I mean, they had to wait a little longer just because he obviously wasn't going to leave his team while Notre Dame made its first College World Series appearance in twenty years. But uh, no, it, it felt like. There was never even really a sway off there. There was just maybe, I mean, the only stress of the coaching search kind of was it felt like the uh, the waiting of just like, what, he's the number one guy, you're going to make him say no, and you have to wait, obviously. And I, I don't think the thought was ever that he was would say no. Yeah, the, the only thing, I mean, you know, we, we were both following this fairly closely. We really felt the whole time it was going to be Link Jarrett. Um but but then you know you see him in the College World Series and you're like okay well, I, what happens if they won a national championship? Like would that change anything? I, I mean I don't know. That's just that, that's kind of like an unprecedented thing uh, for a coach to win a championship and then leave for another program. So that was kind of the only thing we were kind of wondering, just kind of waiting and seeing what would happen. Um, obviously uh, they were eliminated Tuesday. Uh, this thing wrapped up quick. I, really we were kind of identifying that timeline like you know if it is link they will announce this by friday they're not going to wait until next monday to announce a coach because by that point it would have been over two weeks they they fired mike martin jr june 10th they hired link jarrett uh june 24th so um any any longer period of that you start to have kind of like uh you know recruiting uh, your recruits are asking questions and stuff like that, and um, I think it all ended up, uh, you know, working out perfectly for for Florida State, and they didn't have to worry about you know Notre Dame advancing and getting in the championship final or anything like that. They were able to wrap it up pretty quickly. Yeah, you talked about. I mean, recruiting. It was obviously a weird situation there because I think recruits were moving in. Like I want to say, like I did move in the the day after. Mike Martin Jr. got fired. I want to say it was like I think June eleventh was their 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 day, and so I mean, no doubt, kids are are moving in during a time of huge uncertainty. And I mean, it's a credit to uh, Jimmy Bellinger, who who now is on the way to Clemson and definitely has landed on his feet, and Mike Metcalf, who I don't think we expect to be retained, but I mean, who who had did a great job on the recruiting trail for FSU, and really he worked until the very end, even on the expectation of. You, you you may not be retained. Just, I mean, kind of 
went above and beyond in that regard. And I think tell, I'm sure assuaged some fears. I do think it helped those kids that, I mean, there was the clear number one guy all the time. I don't feel like there was too much uncertainty. I mean, it, 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 I would imagine Michael Alford may have talked to them. I mean, I know he talked with some players, but so I imagine he may have uh, some talked to them not long after they moved in just about the circumstances of the situation. Yeah, recruiting-wise, it's a pretty good situation to inherit. You know, the 2022, I was looking at Perfect Game. Their, their rankings, 2022 class is 10th nationally. 2023 is 7th. 2024, you know, it's early, but they're they're number one, top of the class. Uh, so Florida State's done a really good job on the recruiting trail. And that was never a, a, a really a concern under Mike Martin Jr. They did a pretty good job. Uh, recruiting players you you just look kind of at the rankings I mean I don't want to be um, uh, you know taking rankings as gospel but uh, they, they sure do mean something and for a link to inherit a situation where you know you're going to get some uh, pretty good players in the pipeline uh, that that'll be good and I think what will be worth monitoring is what does he do with this roster uh, obviously, we can go into it a little bit later, but there's um, certainly a few different positions they could fill, uh, first, third base, pitcher, a couple others. So um, they they certainly could, could not be done adding to their roster, and uh, it will be, will be uh, worth kind of following and seeing who they get. I know uh, this time last year we were uh, – I mean, I, I wasn't here, but uh, that, that's kind of the time where they're getting Alex Terrell, Jordan Carrion, and um, uh, Brett Roberts. So, um, yeah. No, there was, I mean, there was there was definitely a lot of uncertainty after the 2021 season, for sure, because that was when they were going to, they were losing a few key outfielders, and as well as, I mean, a few, a few key infielders. And really, we're going to have to have a lot of new pieces in the lineup, even if they're returning their top two pitchers. And I mean, obviously, they addressed that. And you talked about recruiting wasn't wasn't Mike Martin Jr. wasn't the staff's problem. I mean, the 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 unfortunate circumstances of baseball recruiting is they don't get to reap the rewards of because because baseball recruiting is done so much in the future that they don't yeah. get to kind of reap the rewards of the really good work they were doing there. But I mean, we we saw similar recruiting success with Link Jarrett, even even in. in at Notre Dame in a, in a harder place to recruit to in South Bend. I mean, the the amount of prospects aren't nearly as good in the area. They're like the the numbers not nearly as big. They aren't nearly as good on the whole. There are sure some exceptions, but it, I mean, it is a it it is just so much easier. It's hard to put into words, and I don't even think this is a, a, a necessarily a huge part of why he took the job. I and mean, we can touch on the. Uh, the touching goodbye video posted from the Notre Dame account talked about, I mean, the real world situation that, that led to some of this, but no doubt there is reason to be really optimistic about what Link Jarrett can achieve with what he's done with far less, both at UNC Greensboro and at Notre Dame. Yeah. I mean, all the guy does is, is turn around programs at, yep. at UNC Greensboro. They ended a 20 year NCAA tournament drought. Uh, they went and then at one point he had them, number one in the country in, in a lot of different uh, hitting categories, which was really impressive to do, you know, for, for a program uh, of that size. And then at Notre Dame, I mean, that was a team who uh, they, they really hadn't had much of a history. They'd, they'd been to two College World Series ever. Um, they'd never been to back-to-back Super Regionals. Uh, he brought them to their third College World Series. He brought them to back-to-back super regionals for the first time and i mean kind of lost in this was that that win that they super regional win they had over tennessee that was extremely impressive um and tennessee was a much much more talented team than notre dame and it was in knoxville and notre dame you know beat them out so we were um, talking about last on the last podcast and when we kind of knew link was the primary candidate I think we kind of thought, I mean, honestly, if they'd lost in, in, in Knoxville like we thought they would, they probably would have hired him last Friday. You know, yeah. because, like, I mean, it would just move the timeline up a week because I would imagine, and maybe even earlier than Friday, I don't know. But, I mean, you don't often see teams, like, situations in college baseball where one team is such a favorite where, like, at the start of the NCAA tournament, 
you're taking like Tennessee versus the field and the odds are like fairly close, you know, like, I mean, you don't see that. And I mean, in that situation, we've seen it far too many times for anyone to think a team is that good. Like you, you bet the field on that every time. And if you lose, you got unlucky, but I mean, it's a testament too. I mean, that was an incredible weekend that I don't think many people thought Notre Dame could do. I think the, the narrative going into that was, well, Notre Dame should have, should have been a top 16. They weren't. They had to go on the road for the regional. Oh, well, it, good for them, but they probably won't beat Tennessee. And they did. I mean, they, they rallied in that game late and pulled off a really, really unlikely impressive win. And, I mean, it's a, it's a testament to Link Jarrett. And I think, um, that, I mean, Notre Dame did all they could to, to keep them. I had been hearing that their athletic director was – at every postseason game, I mean, he was really, really trying to make a uh, concerted effort to to keep Link. And um, even in his postgame uh, press conference after they were eliminated on Tuesday, you know, he, he kind of touched on, yeah, there's a couple things. But, you know, we saw in that video, it wasn't really about money for him. It wasn't really about oh, I need a, a bigger stadium or anything like that. Um, it was coming home and, and being with his family. You know, he's he's got parents uh, in, in Tallahassee. He grew up in Tallahassee, went to Florida High, obviously played for FSU. Uh, this is his home. And I, I had the chance to interview him for a story a, a couple months ago. Um, and I could just tell by the sound of his voice, just how much Florida State meant to him. And I remember um, I, I had asked him about uh, kind of like s- some of the people that, that meant to, that meant the most to him at Florida State. And he, he rattled off the, you know, the names you'd expect. But um, he called me about 20 minutes later uh, and said, oh, you know what, I actually have a few more names uh, I'd like to add. So like this is someone who he loves Florida State. Like this is someone. This is somewhere he's always wanted to be. He was obviously an assistant here in 2003 when he first started to to kind of uh, get into coaching. Uh, he was on staff with with Mike Martin Jr. and uh, under Mike Martin Sr. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was pretty pretty wild. If you if you haven't seen it yet, Notre Dame baseball account did did post that video, but you can just kind of tell. And even in his post-game press conferences after the College World Series, he's, he's talking about, yeah, I mean, this was a major distraction when news broke that Mike Martin Jr. you know, was let go uh, while they were preparing for the Super Regional in, in Knoxville. I mean, not only was you know one of his closest friends, his college roommate, you know, getting the axe, but like now his name is going to be. Link's name is going to be attached to this job 24-7, and he's going to be asked a million questions about it. That was hard for him to kind of maneuver through. That's you know something he, he kind of said. So Didn't he say um, before the first game of the Super Regional that his players asked him about yeah. it? Yeah, his players asked him about it. He, I mean, he addressed the team about it. And um, that is the one thing I like about Link is uh, definitely um, an honest interviewer. I, I – um, I had heard from the folks at Notre Dame that uh, there was a, I think a, thirty-one minute press conference where he was asked five questions. Uh, so we're going to get a lot of baseball knowledge, um, and I think people should be prepared to to learn a lot about baseball. There, there's some some coaches, you know, they don't want to tell you much, but he'll tell you. What's, what he's thinking, and he'll he'll give you the X's and O's for sure. I know he impressed quite a few people in 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 Omaha this week in those press conferences. I few I saw a few people kind of react to that this week. I'm like, oh wow! I mean, good good for Florida State. I mean, the U is unanimously a a great move for Florida State. I mean, obviously, I think you <laughs> because Florida State just went through something similar with Mike Martin Jr., where he was the primary hitting coach. I think you, some people may be like. Are, are we sure, like Jarrett? We want another coach. We want like like we want to let like Jarrett do that too. We don't just want to let him bring in a hitting guy, and he can have some input. But maybe he's not the uh, like the primary guy. But I mean, his track record speaks for itself. I mean, he I think his ten years as a head coach now seven at, at Greensboro, three at Notre Dame. His team's hit three hundred and six of them, and uh, 
I think Florida State hasn't had a season where it hit 300 as a team since 2010. Man. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not to say, I mean, uh, I, I, I'll tie this to something that Florida State fans probably won't care for. When uh, when Willie Taggart took over from Jimbo Fisher, he always all the talk with him was, this isn't a rebuild, it's a realignment. That was a rebuild. This, I think, actually is a realignment. I don't think there are some huge sweeping changes that need to happen. I don't think you look at the roster and you're like, that is totally not a Florida State roster. Are there needs that need to be addressed that I'm sure will be addressed? Absolutely. But, I mean, you have two great freshman outfielders to build around. I think you have, I mean, Jordan Carrion's going to be back with the team holding it down at shortstop. I think you can bolster your roster in some spots, and obviously we'll see who of the freshmen stick around and aren't aren't drafted, signed away in uh, – in July, if they were to lose anybody, but uh, I mean, I do not. I'm not of the opinion that there need to be these huge sweeping changes in terms of the roster management. Yeah, I, I would say my my only glaring concern is, is sort of the, the pitching. Um, but but that's just natural attrition. I, yeah, it, it's just more like you, you lose two All ACC starters. And then the guy who's supposed to be kind of the next guy, the next Friday starter, Ross Dunn, he transfers. Um, and a, a lot of the guys coming back aren't quite proven yet. Um, I do think they'll probably work hard on the transfer portal at pitcher. I mean, you look at who Link Jarrett got in his, you know, uh, two full off seasons at, uh, at Notre Dame. And he got a lot of great pitchers. I mean, John Michael Bertrand, everyone knows who he is, right? Uh, his his game Temple. here with Parker Messick was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was unbelievably boring. But, <laughs> no, I, I actually liked it. but uh, That game yeah. is what why baseball gets a bad reputation with some people. But, <laughs> yeah. but for people who appreciate baseball, it was crazy to see those two go back and forth. Yeah, it was, it was fun to watch. Um, but... Yeah, he's he's gotten a number. I mean, I put it in my story just the amount of pitchers he's gotten. Uh, so I'm I am, you know, interested to see how many he gets. But they've got five healthy arms coming back. Um, really, the only two guys who had less than a five point zero ERA this season were uh, Wyatt Crowell and Connor Whitaker. Now we've we've talked about both of those guys. We think that they could be, you know, starters next year. I think Wyatt. The key for him is just to kind of build up that strength. I know he, I talked with him, a, you know, about a month ago uh, before the Auburn Regional. Uh, I guess that wasn't a month ago, but better part of a month. Ago. And um, you know, he was talking about how that'll be the big key for him is gaining some weight, gaining gaining some strength. Um, Connor Whitaker was was fantastic as a true freshman. Um, so if you can lock those two guys down, and if you can you know, uh, begin to mold a guy like Carson Montgomery. I mean, that that's someone who has a world of p- potential but just hasn't quite figured it out yet. Um, I think uh, you've got some guys there. I just think to supplement that with a couple other guys in the portal, I, I would like to see that before I say, okay, yeah, this is, this is a team that, you know, is, is going to be in good shape. But, yeah, I mean, I think it – just statistically, I mean, you mentioned the hitting. Also, the fielding uh, yes. was exceptional at Notre Dame. Uh, Blink is, is kind of known for being, you know, very, very detail-oriented. You, you just watch an interview with him, and it's almost like his mind is doing calculus at, at every question. Um, but, but his teams were extremely disciplined. Uh, the last two seasons the fielding percentage that Notre Dame had would have both easily been, you know, records, uh, school records at Florida state, uh, which speaks to more to Notre Dame. I would say, I mean, it's just for him to take over a team that, you know, ranked in the two hundreds and fielding position uh, and fielding percentage and make them, you know, you know, top 30 nationally, top 20, top 10, like that's, that's extremely impressive. And, yeah, you know, I think that's one of one of the biggest areas for improvement uh, Florida State has, and if he can nail that down, this team is going to be really, really well prepared uh, for the future. Yeah, I mean, I, I I wrote it in a column that's going to go online on uh, 
on Saturday. I, I it it is a cliche, but it is something that watching uh, watching one of their World Series games with with a friend of the program, Arya Masudi, uh, a, a few last I guess last weekend or two yeah last weekend. Um, they just play the game the right way. It is the thing that like you know like has subtext to it and is unfortunate, but it is truthfully true in that, I mean, they pick up the ball, they run the bases aggressively, but well, you know, they don't make poor decisions, which is another thing that under, in the end of Mike Martin senior's time and in Mike Martin Jr.'s tenure was a, a, a unfortunate characteristic that happened far too often for it to be a coincidence type thing. I mean, and they, uh, they, they hit well, they just, I mean, they, they definitely, I mean, last year they, I think last year they hit even better, and this year was more. I mean, they they relied on that pitching staff. They've, uh, it, 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 I mean, it's just uh, there is a lot to like, and there's a lot of reason to feel optimistic about the uh, the state of Florida State baseball. I mean, we should say the the financial commitment made to link made to get Link Jerry. You knew you were gonna, you knew it was gonna take more. It wasn't about money. But at the same time, I mean, I think if you want to be a program like Florida State wants to be, I mean, you need to be paying your coach the better part of a million dollars. And that's what Link Jarrett will get for, uh, I mean, the entirety of his, his deal. It starts at 875. His final year will be an even million. I think he's, it's a seven-year, $6.5 million deal. So uh, that is a, a staggering difference from, from what Mike Martin Jr. said. And some of that, no doubt, is... FSU's finances were in pretty bad shape back in 2019 when he got hired. But some of that's also, I think, Michael Alford saying, for the right person, I'm, I'm willing to open the checkbook. Yeah, that I think that was kind of the hidden thing that um, what one of the hidden takeaways from this is, hey, they're committed to baseball. Now, I'm, yep. I'm curious to see the facility upgrades, where those kind of, you know, the timeline for those. But as far as committing to high-paying salary. I mean, Mike Martin Jr., I mean, they, they did take him at a discount. It wasn't kind of like um, they did this. They were going to do this with any coach. I think they they knew that he really wanted the job, and, um, you know, they paid him $400,000 uh, annually, uh, which is, is quite low when you compare it to where salaries are at now. Um, and, and, yeah, like I said, there are a lot of factors that went into that. So to you know look look three years ahead and now they're committing almost a million it's, that's it's a huge deal uh, for sure and and really the, the whole state of the athletic department um, I mean I, I tweeted this when I tweeted my story Kurt but I'm curious I mean it, this has been a very eventful what has it been seven months for Michael Alford I mean there, there's been a couple. You know, bad things, but a lot of good, too, I would think. Yeah, I think he, I mean, we talked about, I want to say on the last podcast, about if he could get this done, then I think uh, it's it, it, it's garnered back any any goodwill that he may have lost with the way the Krikorian thing played out. I think even before, like when the emails came out and, and people saw that he Krikorian was offered a very, very, very very profitable offer and still was enough and wanted more. I think people ended up kind of even in that moment siding with Alfred a little bit more, but no doubt. I mean, with keeping Lonnie and, and with, with getting kind of the guy that everyone wanted, I would venture to say the guy that everybody wanted three years ago in, in link Jerry, I think he has absolutely garnered, garnered so much will with the fan base. And I think uh, there is a lot of confidence right now in FSU having kind of a real AD, if you were, and that hasn't been the case in a while. Hey, he's not afraid to make a move. I mean, that that was the biggest thing with this baseball search. It's, hey, we feel like you can get a better guy. Uh, we feel like we can get the number one guy. And uh, that's what they went out and did. It speaks to just the position they're in now. I don't know if you could do that a few years ago, but now – not only do they have the finances, but they have, you know, not only do they have the commitment, but they have the guy who can be willing to make those tough decisions. Because it certainly wasn't an easy decision. No. Um, and uh, it, it's going to just be something to, to watch with the other athletic programs. I mean, 
you mentioned soccer. I think when the word came out, it's like, I mean, the, the guy was offering him more money. I mean, that it's not like he wasn't trying. Uh, I think a lot of people were pleased with the women's basketball hire, getting Brooke Wyckoff. Um, soccer, they ended up getting the SEC Coach of the Year and Brian Pinsky. Um, I mean, uh, and, and like you mentioned, Lonnie, too, um, getting her, uh, keeping her away from, from the Aggies uh, was, was a pretty good uh, pretty good sign. So um, I think some FFSU fans, they're going to kind of wait and see how that will affect football. And They're already talking about it. I mean, they, yeah, they're, they really are. They're all like, okay, well, yeah, they're going to do that with uh, baseball. But what about football? I mean, it's just, you know, well, you always get that. On the other side of that, I will say – I think a lot of people are convinced that whatever their standard is, if this season doesn't meet their standard, that this will be the end of Mike Norvell. And I'm not saying there is a 0% chance. I think this and the fact that Mike Martin Jr. wasn't doing poorly by any metric, but just wasn't meeting kind of the lofty standards, I think it showed that there is a definite chance. But I think it would take a pretty rough season. Like, I think it would take a, a pretty severely underwhelming, failing to meet expectations, failing to take that next step season. Because I'm just hesitant to see them wanting to pay two buyouts at once, which they would yeah. be doing if if they fired him before the end of 2023. I will say Florida State football has a lot of coin flip type games this year. So oh, for sure. I could easily see an 8-4 and four season, and I yep. could see a 5-7 and seven season. Um, Things would have to go really bad. If you have Jordan Travis for 12 games, things would have to go bad in a lot of other phases for 5 and 7. But it's theoretically for sure. I'm not I'm not saying it's impossible by any means. Yeah. That is, a, ironically, unless you had anything else you wanted to add, that is a great transition to something I talked about with uh, the, 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 the coin toss aspect of Florida State's schedule came up with. We're in a kick to... Uh, to an interview here, I, I got the chance to sit down earlier this day, not long after the Link Jarrett news came down with ESPN ACC writer David Hale. We talked about a lot about his uh, his ACC rankings that he did on Twitter recently. I'd encourage you to go check those out on Twitter if you haven't seen them yet. I know he, uh, I don't think he turns them into a story or anything for ESPN. I think it's just something he does for himself. I talked to him a little about those, about FSU, about FSU's place in the ACC, a lot more. Um, I think we're going to end the episode with that. So I'll kind of, before I kick to that, just say we we appreciate you for listening. Definitely stick around for that. David's very entertaining and, and knows his ACC football. You will learn a lot from that. But, yeah, we, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate subscribing to the Democrat, all that. We will uh, kick to that interview, and we will uh, be back soon, probably with a, uh, I, would, I would say, probably uh, a football-only episode here 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 next that or i should say that or if we're able to get link jarrett for an interview probably that one of the two we are honored to be uh joined by espn acc expert i would say david hale here on the podcast david uh thanks for joining us i don't know if acc expert is like a it's kind of a pejorative i don't know if it's like uh i don't know expert on like horse manure or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, glad I can help. Thanks for having me. It's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. Um, yeah, but I, I, we're, we're, you're joining us, I guess, right off finishing your uh, your rundown of kind of ranking, I guess, every, uh, every every ACC position group, all the schools across the board, and kind of, I guess, making a composite ranking of all the teams uh, off of that and kind of where they stand. Looking at the big picture of this, I know you've done this for a few years now. I would have to imagine there's a point in, in, in doing the research for this every year where you kind of regret agreeing to do it or signing on to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's, that is the life of this job is you just do things and then immediately regret them. Um, I, you know, I, part of this has always been sort of just my own, uh, I want to make sure that I know teams going into a season. I think that's more important than ever because uh, with the portal and the amount of player movement that's going on, it's just, and it's hard to keep tabs on a team from year to year. And so part of this is sort of my deep dive into reading up on teams, kind of figuring out who's still there, who left. Um, along the way, I 
typically will find a handful of guys that I'm like, boy, I did not realize how good they were last year. Or, you know, <laughs> a somewhat similar example of that is like I knew DJ Oyungle struggled last year at Clemson, and I spent a good portion of the first half of this offseason saying like, well, there's reasons for optimism that he might get better, yada, yada, yada. And then the more I dug into his numbers for this project, I was like, my God, he wasn't just bad. He might have been the worst quarterback in college football last year. So, um, you know, it's it started out and has continued to be just sort of an educational process for me. But I figure if I'm putting in the effort to learn, I might as well share what I've learned with, uh, with the Twitter audience, for better or worse. Um, I will say, for the most part, this year people were less mad at me than usual. Uh, I don't know if that means that I was more right than usual or that people have just found better things to be mad about. But one of the others is true, and I'm guessing it's the latter. Well, and I think part of it, too, is people don't really know what to expect from this ACC. You know, like, I mean, well, we can touch on it some, but, I mean, people don't know what's what's up with Clemson. If NC State is there to kind of take that throne, people I don't think have much idea at all what to make of the, the Coastal. I mean, it feels, and I think these rankings kind of, agree with the fact that it it really feels up for grabs in 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 a lot of ways and i guess we'll see where florida state factors into that i know one takeaway for you in doing this was uh being surprised how much you liked florida state at at quite a few spots i guess what as you were doing that i mean how much did it maybe change your perception going into the season of what this florida state team might be yeah, I mean, I think you could, FSU is such a good example of a team that, like, depending on when you watched them last year, you could feel really good about them or really bad about them. Um, I think uh, as anyone who has sort of been along for this ride over the last few years, your default position was, well, the good days are probably lucky and the bad days are probably more accurately reflective of where this team is at. And I think I kind of came away on the other side of this. I don't know that I walked away from this saying, well, I think this is a 10-win team. I think this is a team that competes for the Atlantic. Could it be? I'm, I'm not exactly ruling it out as an impossibility. I'm just not quite there yet. But what I what I did go from was thinking like, well, a bowl, a bowl game is a good start for this team this year, to saying like, well, seven, eight wins is really probably where they should be setting their expectations given what they have. And um, look, a lot of this, you know, part of this in doing this is, is speculation, but I've tried to base a lot of it on last year's results and then sort of filling in the blanks where I can. And and frankly, the 5-7 and seven record was a bit misleading about how good this team was. So I actually did another thing, I'll probably post about next week, but I was looking at uh, sort of the gambling side of things and looking at win, uh, win-loss uh, totals for the season and what bets I like. But I'm not sure I'm exactly ready to say plunk down your money on FSU because I think Vegas is is relatively high on them too. But uh, let me see if I can find this and so I can give you the exact numbers. So I, I used, I looked up um, one of the stats I used, we have access to at ESPN. These are nerd numbers here, but um, there are total expected points added per play. So I went through that math and FSU came out 47th in the country last year, which doesn't sound super impressive except that the 46 teams above them only nebraska which i think was just a like an anomaly for the ages last year only nebraska didn't win at least seven games fsu was five and seven the next three teams after them on this list san diego state won 12 games michigan state won 11 Ole miss won 10 florida state won five and had more expected points added per play than either of those teams so uh, again, nerd numbers. I don't expect anyone to stay awake through all of that. But the takeaway for me was like, you know, the the numbers suggest that this was much better than a five and seven team last year. So to say that the expectations this year should maybe start at seven and five and go from there is not an insane thing to say. Yeah, I, I think there's no denying that kind of the the roster Mike Norvell inherited before the 2020 season was not kind of a a Florida State caliber roster i mean the recruiting hadn't fallen off to an extreme extreme degree i mean it had fallen off from top five top 10 to top 20 ish but it was more it was pretty clear there hadn't been a lot of development obviously mike has had to use the transfer portal very heavily each especially to the last two off seasons but i mean how much do you see i mean 
not obviously to the standards of Florida State. I know you were here for the, the most recent heyday, but how much do you see this roster, especially in a few spots, really starting to get you, – you see the notable steps back towards that direction, it feels like. Yeah, and, you know, it, the, the biggest thing for me – so you look at those recruit, recruiting classes, and, you know, one challenge that Norvell faced is that he had to – they had to get worse before they could get better. He had to jettison some problems. Uh, and 2020 with COVID and everything only made that more difficult. But the recruiting, you know, when you look at it as sort of an aggregate, okay, it's fine. But what it was was they were getting some good players in specific areas and getting absolutely nothing in other areas. And one of the things that I sort of took away from doing this exercise is like, the O-line didn't play great last year, but it was certainly much better than it had been. Um, the linebacking core, which everybody has just uh, been miserable about for years, I was like, the numbers suggest they were pretty darn good. Um, the receiving core, I last year said they were probably going to be the worst in the ACC. I'm not sure if they were the worst. They are pretty bad. But you start looking at like what's coming in this time around, and you say, well, there's reason for optimism. And so it's not so much that I look and say, well, they've got every position at a championship caliber at this point. They don't. I mean, that's, quite frankly, they are not there yet. But uh, where you looked at this roster two years ago and said, there are five guys you can build a team around and then black holes everywhere else. That's not this. And again, I'm not in any way suggesting that the rankings that I put together should be particularly predictive of anything. But when you, when I looked at like, all right, which teams profiled uh, similarly in that they all had what I would consider in each position group that I ranked, they were in the top half of the ACC. So ranked for seventh or higher. The only two teams that, that, that had that, Pittsburgh and Florida State. So, again, it's not to suggest that Florida, because really Florida State came out sort of in the middle of my rankings, but there's not a black hole like, <laughs> like there was for so long. I think you can go position group by position group and say they're competitive everywhere. If that means that, you know, are, is their D-line D and linebackers going to be better than NC State or Clemson? I, probably not. I mean, those two teams are just ridiculously good in those spots. But I look at, you know, NC State hasn't been able to run the ball in years, and they're effectively starting over in their run game. But, and we talked about Clemson's quarterbacking situation. Florida State's in a better position than both than, than those teams there. So there are not just sort of matchup complete disasters for Florida State uh, this year, and I think that's going to give them a chance to be in a lot of games. Now, the question, particularly for teams like this that haven't won in a long time, is when you're in games, can you close that out? Can you finish and win more of them than you lose? And I think that's a Florida State's going to probably play in a lot of 50-50 games this year. And how many of those they can win will come down to, I think, leadership. It will come down to execution. It will come down to coaching and preparation. And um, if you're Mike Norvell, man, that's a good position to be in because for a long time, or pretty much the entirety of his coaching tenure, it has been about how can I kind of jury-rig this with duct tape to try to get us through another week. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is definitely that's not – it's not the case in that regard to the same extreme degree. It will be in some situations. I mean, a spot you you talked about we can touch on. I mean, I think it was a bit of a surprise to me, and I would imagine a lot, especially, I mean, like you talked about, last year's offensive line was, I think if the starting five had been healthy all year, would have been capable, but they, they battled some injuries, as you're all, pretty much always going to do on the offensive line. But you have the offensive line this year ranked ranked fifth. I know, obviously, the added... 10 guys this offseason. They've they've brought in four transfers there. It feels like they finally have that depth where if those injuries that often come, come, they, they will be not maybe great, but okay, and not having to play somebody that probably shouldn't be on the field. I guess what are your thoughts on that room? Well, yeah, and part of it, too, you look at how the first half of the season went with the quarterbacks kind of going back and forth. And, I mean, you know, I'll do credit to Mackenzie Milton, who was a hell of a story and certainly made that Notre Dame game really fun, but um, that having him on the field is putting the offensive line at a disadvantage. Jordan Travis opens up so much more for what they can do. I think it took Florida State half a year to even figure out exactly what their offense was going to be. And as an offensive line, when you don't have philosophy, when you don't have sort of a, um, a, a identity of who you are, it's sort of hard to play the offensive line. I mean, again, to get to uh, NC State, I mean, they've not run blocked well, but they have been a team that uses that, that sort of West Coast offense, short passing game, uh, and then beat you over the top mentality for a long time going back to Ryan Finley. And it's just what they do. It's what they do well. 
And I think that they need to have a second year to win a, 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 the ACC, as people are talking about this year. But they knew who they were and what they did, and that was good enough to win nine games last year. Ten with an asterisk, if you want to count the bowl game, as they like to do. But FSU, for half the season, didn't know what the hell it was. And so it's hard for me to put all of that on the O-line. And as you said, I mean, the injury situation and the lack of depth was a problem, and I think it'll be less so this year. I, yes, it was not a good offensive line performance last year overall, but I think the trend line was going in the right direction. You've added a lot of talent and depth to the roster, and I think you go into this season knowing who you are. Now, if Jordan Travis gets hurt in week two, we have a whole different conversation. Um, he is sort of the linchpin that's making the offense go right now, but there are pieces around him that are not awful now, which is a big step forward. You talked about, I mean, Mike Norvell is definitely the type of coach who will vary his offense year to year, depending on kind of, he'll build around what he has. He is not a, this is our identity. He is our identity is, is what we have type coach. And obviously you talked about the downside of that last year with kind of the, the tweener stuff at quarterback. Obviously they have, I mean, there's no quarterback battle for the first time in a while here. It's, it is Jordan Travis's job. So long as he's healthy, obviously he's eighth on your list. And, and I mean, that's, I would say, more than anything, an indictment of just how crazy a year this is going to be for ACC yeah. quarterbacks. I mean, you talk about there are years where it feels like he could be top five based on his potential, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, look, I, it's hard, a little bit hard to pay. I mean, DJ Langell is a great example of this time last year we would have said he was, you know, first or second best quarterback in the league based on the small sample size that we saw the year before, and that didn't happen. Um, you look at a guy like Brennan Armstrong who had insane numbers last year, but is going to have a completely different offensive scheme to play in this year. So, I don't know what he looks like. Malik Cunningham is somebody who, I mean, I don't like to use poor man's Lamar Jackson. He's more of like the upper middle class man's Lamar Jackson. But like, again, he was a little hit or miss at times last year because he didn't have much help. Um, Sam Hartman, what's he going to look like? What's what's Carolina's quarterback situation going to look like? I mean, Bill Longo does a great job of you know, creating an offense that, that anybody can succeed in, but it's hard to replace Sam Howell. I mean, you can go up and down the ACC. I don't know that there's a team – well, frankly, I don't know that there's a single team in the ACC that should, shouldn't feel like they have a chance to be good at quarterback, better than they were last year at least. And, I mean, I don't think Virginia Tech's going to be great. I don't think Duke's going to be great, but they probably will be better at quarterback than they were a year ago. Um, and then at the top end, I mean, you've got – legitimate Heisman contender guys when you're talking about Tyler Van Dyke, when you're talking about um, uh, Sam Hartman, when you're talking uh, about Brennan Armstrong and, and Devin Leary. I mean, this is a really, really deep class of quarterbacks. So saying that, that Jordan Travis is in the middle of that mix, I don't think it's an indictment of him. And if you told me at the end of the year he's top three or four, I wouldn't be shocked by that. Now, I think that we it, it would be beneficial Again, you don't want to get away from who you are and what your your philosophy is as an offense. And they should be a running the football offense this year because they're going to be really good and really deep at running back. And Jordan Travis's mobility opens up so much. But if he can complete a few balls down the field and sort of – he doesn't have to be a great passer. But if he can take the next step as a passer and just be 10% better than he was last year, I think they have a chance to be a, a really – good and difficult to defend offense this year the 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 better skill position talent around him i know you were high on the running backs even losing a guy like jay sean corbin and obviously they've kind of totally revamped that wide wide receiver room this offseason i mean obviously in the latest chapter and i think fsu fans can't can't help but feel that their uh their their program is a little cursed with winston Wright, and i mean unfortunately getting in a car accident and i mean he was kind of the one established guy who has had a, a, a lot of production at this level at wide receiver, but still, I think you feel much better about that room. I guess, what are your thoughts on, I mean, just the skill position talent they have overall? Yeah, I mean, look, it's not, uh, this is not the era of Rashad Green and Kelvin Benjamin at wide receiver, but it's certainly got more depth. Uh, it's got a few guys who have actually done something before. I mean, you look back to last year, it was like, I don't know, is Ontario Wilson good? I don't, I mean, it's probably not bad if he's your third or fourth receiver, but if he's like the, the surest thing you have going into the year, that's not a great sign. Um, but look, I think Michael Pittman has a chance to be a really good player. Um, 
Uh, they have recruited relatively well. They've hit the transfer portal in in places of need. And again, if if it comes down to them needing the wide receivers to play like Rashad Green and Kelvin Benjamin, then they've got some problems this year because they should be a team in which running the ball is the priority. You run first, and that opens up the pass. And I think if you can do that, and they have shown that they can do that even last year with a much lesser supporting cast, um, they're in good shape. It's Again, I mean, injuries are what they are. But, you know, again, the beauty of this team, and it's sort of when you do an exercise like the, the rankings that I did, I, I think it this sort of gets overlooked a little bit. But aside from quarterback, there is a lot more depth on offense than there was in past years. I mean, I think you can walk away from that spring game and say, hell yes, Trey Benson, that's going to be great. But he's coming off an injury, and you don't always know what you're going to get with a guy like that. But they've got other guys there that can run the football. Um, you know, again, you talk about being kind of snake bit there with with a key injury at wide receiver, but it, it's not that doesn't doom them to failure there. And same with the depth that they brought in on the O line. But really, the only guy that they just cannot afford to get hurt to me is Jordan Travis. And uh, the rest of them, I mean, it's not like you don't want to keep your best guys on the field, but they are not in uh, a sort of a do or die position. Can't afford to lose this guy, or we have no chance next week type of, of scenario, which is where they've been for a while. Switching over, looking at the the defense. I mean, obviously, you talked about NC State and Clemson, and those two defensively are definitely in a world of their own, just in terms of. I mean, they're they're pretty much among the best units, really, probably at each level. But Florida State might be the next one there. I mean, obviously, you have the defensive line's the fourth best, the linebackers fifth, and the secondary sixth. I guess, what do you think will be the strength of that? I mean, that the defense especially really figured something out down the stretch after a a pretty rough start during the zero and four start to last season. Yeah, and, and part of it was, I think, just kind of, get, you know, the offense helps the defense. It all works together. And I think you watch those first few games of the season, um, and it kind of felt like they were playing not to make a mistake at times. They got a little looser as the year went along, and I think that helped. The, the big question to me is is replacing Jermaine Johnson. Nobody's going to do that. But he opened up so much. He was sort of the Jordan Travis on the defense for them last year. Because of how he played, other people were capable of doing a lot more and if you replace him with just a pretty good player as opposed to a legitimately great player what does that look like so I say you know you can look at somebody like Jared Burst who I think a lot of people are excited about rightfully so but I don't know if he's Jermaine Johnson like that's that's a big ask so the question is can the other guys around them be good enough on their own that they don't need somebody to sort of open yeah. things up so you know I look at somebody like Akeem Dent, who we've been waiting for, or Kalen Deloche, who we've been waiting for to really break through for a long time. And down the stretch last year, it really looked like they became the players that Florida State fans hoped they would be from day one. Um, How sustainable is that in the post-Jermaine Johnson era? That, to me, is the absolute biggest question on defense, because if the answer is they're just good players now and they don't need, you know, some magic potion to make them successful, then I, I don't see any reason why this defense can't be the you know third or fourth best one in the ACC. Uh, and, and again, as you pointed out, those top two are sort of in a league of their own. So when you're looking at the rest of the league, I think Florida State probably has as many pieces in place to be at the top of that list as anyone. I mean, there's some other good areas for other defenses uh, in the ACC. I mean, I think Pittsburgh's really good up front, but I got some questions about their secondary. Um, I think, you know, I think Boston College has a really good secondary, but they could get no pressure on the quarterback whatsoever last year. Um, Florida State's the one that feels like they've got some real balance to them and are pretty good at all three levels. Uh, again, what does this look like when you take a genuine first-round player off the field and replace them with just a pretty good player? Mm. A, a good teams, competitive for championship-level teams, they do that every year and they don't miss a beat. I don't know where Florida State is in that in that uh, path yet. I think they're much closer to being in that conversation than they've been in a long time. So I think it'll be an interesting test. We'll, we'll, we'll end talking about, I mean, obviously Florida State's seventh here on your list in the ACC out of 14 when you kind of average out all the rankings. They're at the bottom of Tier 2 with a pretty big gap between them and the Tier 3 below them. Obviously, I mean, we've talked so much about this, this offseason about the 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 divisions and how unbalanced they've they've proven to be and that's I mean definitely true again this year it would seem I know 
for the six teams ahead of FSU are in the Atlantic, where the Atlantic definitely seems to be more stacked than the Coastal. And I think a lot of people are obviously hoping it goes away in the uh, near future, at least people on the Atlantic side. Do you think, do you think is fifth place in the Atlantic, is that where you'd put Florida State, or would you put them higher or, or I guess, lower? It's hard to say exactly what to expect because I do think the Atlantic, there's just, there's not a, a lot of, like even Syracuse, who is, I think, pretty clearly the bottom of the Atlantic at this point, it wouldn't shock me if they don't finish there. They're certainly not going to be an easy out. They're really good at linebacker. They're really good in the secondary. They've got arguably the best running back in the country in, in Sean Tucker. So what are you getting out of Syracuse? I, I don't know. I just know that they're not going to be an easy out. And that's what Florida State's going to face almost every week. And this is why I say, like, there's a lot of 50-50 games for Florida State. And so if, you know, luck is not on their side and a few injuries happen and uh, I'm not even going to bring up the, the Jacksonville State game last year, but it gives you an idea of how close you can be between a win and a loss. Um, you know, when you lose those 50-50 games, if you lose more of them than you win, yeah, I mean, fifth in the, in the Atlantic is not out of the question. On the other hand, if you win a few more of them than you lose, second in the Atlantic is not out of the question. And that's sort of the intrigue of that division this year. Is I don't think that there is a clear favorite. I mean, there's, again, I watched enough Clemson offense last year to know that, that I think that's the most talented team, but they still got some real problems and questions. Um, we have had expectations for NC State before. They do not play well with expectations. Uh, Wake Forest won the division last year. Almost nobody's talking about them. I don't know if they can do it again, but maybe. Um, I, I, you know, there's good quarterbacks up and down. And I have Florida State and Louisville in those rankings are pretty close. And those two teams, both of them, I, I could, I, I think that the right number to probably peg them at to start the season. And if you look at Vegas, is somewhere around seven wins. And I think Vegas has, if I'm not wrong. Florida State at seven and a half, excuse me, Louisville at six and a half. I think that's a starting point. But there's there's a window there that it could go either way. Excuse me. No, yeah, it, it should be a fascinating season, no doubt an important season for uh, Mike Novell. David, appreciate you so much joining us. Uh, for anybody who, who doesn't follow David, I mean, on Twitter, what are you doing? He's an incredible Twitter follower with all this off-season content alone, I, I've learned a lot about the rest of the ACC where I can't maybe pay as much attention by, uh, by, by following along with these rankings. So, David, appreciate you so much taking the time. No problem. Thanks for having me. Appreciate doing it. Hopefully we're, we're talking about uh, good Florida State again for a while. Yeah, maybe a, maybe a bowl. It's been a while. Maybe, maybe not El Paso. That was my last trip in 2019. It was uh, not my favorite. It was fine. No, we got we got to get you out to San Diego this year. Let's. Oh my let's goodness! Now you're speaking my language. Maybe, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it doesn't get canceled. I know that one didn't go so well last year. You get a win with an asterisk. That's great. <laughs> Thanks, David. See ya.